Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. lot about historic transportation (laughs) do you really i do especially hmm. after this past week uh i i have been scarred by blimps Mm, okay like Mm -hmm. like on a scale of like uh i guess a casual blimp viewing to like the hindenburg that's a lot of like where do you fall on that well I know that there's technically a difference between an airship and a blimp, and I can't wait to hear about that (laughs) from people. Um, But I, I, I was driving uh, over the causeway into uh, Tampa Bay or into Tampa across Tampa Bay, and Mm. I just I looked across at where the airport is, and I saw something hovering above it. And I was like, oh, is the plane coming in at a weird angle? But it wasn't moving. And so, Mm. like, I'm just looking for, like, a couple seconds too long before it registers in my brain that, oh, that's a blimp. Uh, And then suddenly a car stops short in front of me. Uh, I didn't hit the car, but I did. uh, I I bumped the uh, the guardrail on the interstate, which sucks. And so now I, I can say as maybe one of very select few people of the uh 21st century that i have been in a blimp related accident (laughs) oh my god well firstly i'm glad you're okay and that everything was fine besides the side of your car i guess i can Um, say not the worst thing to happen from a blimp mm, yeah i guess so (laughs) unless it's technically an airship so i don't know but um gosh yeah that is that's rough, man. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And the it's okay. You know, it's this, it's a trying time. I'm going to yeah. be very antsy the next time I watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, listening to Led Zeppelin One. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. There's a lot of a lot of blimp material there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I also find myself thinking about like ancient transportation as well but in particular mm-hmm. too of how like certain people figured out the wheel and certain people didn't and they just rolled with it no pun intended but so, you so know. they did and didn't roll they with dragged it, it. Was, they dragged well, some of the, it some of them slid it. with it i think mm, yeah, yeah it's pretty popular right and i have also I, i've particularly been thinking about ocean voyages as well i was uh briefly up in upstate new york getting uh the rest of my stuff back as i slowly moved back to florida which it sounds like we're going to be talking about today yes um, yes but by pure coincidence because there was some weather a replica ship of the trinidad which was the ship that magellan sailed around the world in uh was like parked in kingston so we went to go look what? at it yeah it's it's super random like it's just there because there there was some weather up north and they needed somewhere like safe inland to 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 uh to dock it um, oh my god okay it's like, random. It's like in, 
it's an exact replica of the Trinidad. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it was pretty incredible to see, but also like, I guess I was kind of shocked by how small it was. Hmm. I mean, like, I, I know Hollywood has warped our perceptions of like, yeah, everyone was just sailing around in these giant galleons, but it's really kind of astounding to see something like that and be like, you were really, they really sailed a, around, they sat, circumnavigated the world in that thing. I mean, I don't think Magellan made it the whole way because I'm pretty sure he got, um, he got murdered by uh, the natives in the Philippines. Uh yeah, I know he dies at one point for sure during that. At, at some point in history, Magellan died. You know, yeah. Um, whether or not it was, yeah, just getting just getting murderized by uh, the the native Filipinos. Uh, but yeah, um, it 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 was pretty astounding to see something like that and just think about yeah. how you could spend months and years at sea and that was all you saw was uh was just this little tiny ship yeah 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 no uh it's it's pretty crazy Mm -hmm. and but this also does i think bring us to what we are uh tangentially this this brings us to what we are talking about today which uh in light of uh this tour coming to you just a few days before uh columbus slash indigenous people's day uh at the well, in the United States, at least, uh, we thought we would talk a little bit about um, some pretty famous uh, New World uh, first contact stories uh, that maybe add a little bit more uh, nuance to how we have heard about uh, the technologically advanced Europeans arriving uh, and, uh, you know, just sort of immediately taking over, uh, the, the native, uh, North and South Americans, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the, at the hands of the Spanish. Um, yeah, but, uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about, obviously, and we don't really have, we're not going to really get into our thoughts on Columbus day so much. Uh, as, uh, as much as just talking about how much more interesting this history really is uh and that it's uh the 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 colonization of the of the new world uh just has so much more uh has so much more uh depth to it than just uh again that that narrative of just pure technical uh technological superiority that we that we encounter most of the time especially like in grade school when we first sort of hear these stories right right exactly yeah in your education did it pretty much it started with with the spanish arrival like that kind of stuff um i guess so i know in fourth grade our fourth grade teacher really took the time to talk about the local indigenous tribes uh Mm -hmm. in new jersey which was like Really yeah. interesting and fun, but I feel like we talked about this earlier. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you are, it's usually you are, you are the chiefs, right? That is your well, uh, this was your school y- mascot. Yeah, that was my high school, and they uh, still yeah. are. And it's mm-hmm. they are the chi- well Cherokee chiefs, and it's uh, problematic mm-hmm. to say the mm-hmm. least. Yeah. But um, this was when I was in elementary school. I went to Catholic school for elementary, so this ah. was such a bizarre turn of events of actually having this perspective. 
Oh, but, yeah, the, um, Catholic, the Catholics do not look good in this story. No, 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 no. They usually don't. But, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's complicated, but for sure, like, I want to say most of when we start, it's, oh, Christopher Columbus shows up and he befriends the, the native populations. And it's like, ah, that's an interesting choice of words. And then I'm around a bunch of Italians, so they take mm. way too much pride in that. So See, I think th- I think that's where the difference is with us. I don't think I I won't say that I was never given a particularly uh n- I'm not going to say that nothing was ever whitewashed, but I don't think I was ever given in my education any idea of Christopher Columbus being friendly. Really? Yeah, like they huh. tell they tell us like or at least they told me in school, in my class, they're like, yeah, no, he was lying to his men about how far from land they were. Uh, you know, he, he pretty immediately was in trouble with, uh, like by Spanish yeah. law for his treatment of the, of the, uh, the native people wow. of uh, the Caribbean. We didn't get uh, into that till high school, mm, really, like middle school, high school, I want to yeah. say. So elementary. I mean, it's like, yeah. It's fine. And, and I, I mean, the, the, the Seminoles come, would come up. There were certain things that we had that were fairly Florida-centric because we you know, lived there and stuff. And Florida has a big role to play in the, the Caribbean presence of, of the, or the Spanish presence in the Caribbean. Right. Um, and, and also, like, everything is, like, you know, named after Ponce de Leon. And, you know, you, you just drive around. There's streets yeah. streets named after all these all these uh spanish explorers and conquistador guys that that always like at least factored in a little bit into my education and also you know we have uh the the seminoles the 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 uh the college team down here as well right uh i've seen videos they have because the seminoles uh they have some arrangement with fsu where they kind of license their own image they get money from that oh really yeah, and like, huh. um, uh, I again, I don't follow f- football, uh, but I have seen videos of like how they have like their opening ceremony thing, and it's like they have uh, like a, a seminal dude on horseback, like with a spear on fire, like riding around the stadium, riling people up. Interesting. Like, it's a, it's interesting. You know, you're like this is riding a line, but. This they're getting paid, you know. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so again, we're 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 treading on some tricky water here that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about. Um. But let's go to trickier water and let's go a little further south. We're not going to talk about uh, Florida just yet. We're going to actually go down to modern day Mexico and we're actually going to revisit the Aztec Empire that we were talking about uh, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the research uh, for this today is also coming from Fifth Son by Camilla Townsend. Again, highly recommended reading. Um, and uh, last time we talked uh, a bit about how the Aztec Empire came about, all of these um, different uh, warring tribes, and eventually the Mexica people sort of uh, coming to dominance over the region. Um, and that is, they, they would not have called themselves Aztecs. They, it would have been looked at as, this is the, the empire, and at the moment, the Mexica people were uh, on top with their uh, capital of uh, Tenochtitlan, um, which is uh, now uh, 
which is essentially the site of uh, modern-day Mexico City. Yes. The thing where most people encounter the Aztecs is their encounter with Hernando Cortez. Um, and, uh, you know, his sort of, his, his, uh, his conquest of them. Uh, what we often hear in school is that Cortez arrives and the leader of the Mexica, um, uh, Montezuma, thinks that Cortez is a god come to, uh, like, claim the city. That, um, that he is uh, Quetzalcoatl. Right. This, uh, this deity that, uh, that, you know, swore vengeance and would return one day to, to take back over, uh, the Nahuatl, uh, speaking people. And this is not correct for many reasons. Uh, and we will get into it where this idea comes from and what actually happened, uh, when the Spanish arrive in modern day Mexico, uh, and start to take over. Um, so we're going to uh, roll back the clock to 15, uh, kind of the 1510s when the Spanish are first sort of poking around the, um, the, the, the coast of Mexico on the Atlantic side, the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and we're going to be looking at sort of the, the, the Maya and um, Nahuatl-speaking people of that region. 1519... Uh, we can look here and see this uh, diorama of, uh, mm. you know, a different uh, Maya and Nahal-speaking villages, um, really uh, amazing marketplaces. You know, this was a an area with a ton of trade going up and down uh, this uh, this uh, section of uh, North America. You know, they. Uh, the the Aztecs had constructed uh, causeways and all sorts of networks uh, to you know one really cement their power over the area, but also you know just just general trade. You know they they wanted the different right. goods that could be moved around this region, and from that Central Valley area, they were pretty well protected, and they had they they had gotten everyone else to bend to them that they were. They were the dominant force. They were able to get everyone else to be sending them tribute in the form of woven uh, goods, in the form of food, in the form of uh, tributes for sacrifice. Um, this was uh, th- this was uh, how how they had colonized the region. Everyone else was required to send them things uh, or else. Now. Um, by 1517, there is some news that there are strange people on the coast that have hair on their face that are uh, going around looking for uh, gold. Uh, and when they're attacking these uh, local areas, uh, in one instance in particular, in 1518, one Spanish ship attacks uh, a group of uh, Mayans uh, known as uh, Chantal Mayans. There's a skirmish. There's hostages taken that are never returned. When they sort, they're they're very quickly um, sort of uh, astonished by the military technology of the Spanish. Um, they sue for peace. They they trade a bit, but the Spanish want more than just food and servants. They're asking about gold, and the Chantal uh, Maya are like, well we're just kind of this, you know, coastal, you know, fishing village 
um, you know, if you want, if it's gold you want, you got to go see, you know, the people in the, you know, ruling empire, right? Right, right. Um, so they point them towards the Mexica. And uh, when they return, because remember, this was just one ship. One ship had kind of really quickly obliterated them. Like, uh, they, uh, they, they, had, they had never uh, really encountered something like that before. Um, so, uh, when 10 ships show up, they mm. go out to meet them and, and immediately like, you know, start give, making them offers, you know, they, right. they do not, they do not want to, uh, to, to deal with, uh, another slaughter. Um, and in spite of their offer, which they think, they think that this is going to work the way that everything else works in this world, where they offer what they have, they pay tribute, and they avoid um, violence. Uh, but Cortez, who it turns out, a, 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 a strapping 30s man in his 30s that has arrived with, it, with his 10 ships, decides, nope, I'm going to attack them anyways. Oh, uh, of course. Yes. And... Uh, he rides ashore. Uh, it's not easy, you know. the The natives have, you know, an understanding of the geography and everything. It's still a slog for them to, uh, for for the Spanish to get to shore. Um, the story goes that uh, Cortez is so, you know, uh, uh, you know, held back by the mud and everything. He loses a sandal as he goes towards shore. <laughs> But he does get to shore and steps foot on Mexico with one bare foot. Hmm. Um, the uh, the Maya that he's fighting lose two hundred and twenty warriors. The Spanish are virtually untouched, um, and they they had never encountered a battle like this before. They'd never encountered uh, horses, um, metal uh, armor. Uh, guns, crossbows. They they had never seen any of this before. So they offer a, a peace offering. And it with that are 20 slave girls. And among them is a uh, girl that has uh, been in slavery, uh, sold to the Maya by the Mexica. She is uh, presumably a... Uh, a was, was a noble... was noble-born, but to a uh to a uh tribe that had been conquered by the Mexica and sold into slavery. Mm. Um we don't know what her name was originally that has been lost to history. The Spanish name her and baptize her uh as Marina and then give her to uh uh kind of a a special guest who was on uh Cortez's voyage uh by the name of Alonso Hernandez de Puerto Carrero. Um, mm. now Puerto Carrero was very, Cortez was very excited to have him on the mission because he was first cousin to the Count of Medellin. Um, and so he was kind of, he, he was nobility and uh, Cortez sort of saw this as giving some legitimacy to, uh, what he was doing. He had someone that was once removed from nobility on, on board. Mm. Um, he has uh, this guy named Geronimo de Aquilar, uh, who had been a Mayan prisoner, and he speaks the, uh, uh, a a uh, a very specific Mayan dialect from where he had been 
uh, taken. Uh, Marina, this uh, newly uh, th- this this uh, this uh, slave girl um, that that's been bought uh, and given to uh, Puerto Carrero, um, she kind of uh, buddies up to him, and she's it, it's very apparent right away that she is very smart um, and has sort of a gift for languages. Um, she she can speak both uh, the Chantal Mayan language. As well, crucially, she can speak Nahatl, which mm. um, Geronimo uh, de Aquilar cannot. So between the three of them, they're able to get from Spanish to Maya to Mayan to Nahatl, the uh, the Aztec language. Um, so she made herself very valuable right away, um, and. Uh, to the point that the uh, the the men on board, uh, you know, they 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 would refer to her as uh, Doña Marina, you know, Lady oh, wow. Marina. Uh, you know, there there was uh, a little recognition that she had some importance to them; that she was very valuable. I mean, she was still a a a, a person treated like property. Let's not you know get away from right, that. Right, right. But she is using her intelligence to, you know, keep herself alive and keep herself in good um, standing with her Spanish captors. Um, now, uh, as we uh, we get into an interesting thing here where modern Mexicans often look at her, Doña Marina, as a traitor to the, the people of Mexico. Um mm. And now we have to sort of get into a little bit more of how today we still have a uh, a con- we have a concept of race that did not necessarily exist back then, um, especially among the the people of uh, the people of what is now Mexico. Uh, Camilla Townsend defends her in the book and says that she would not have thought of herself as an emissary of the native people of Mexico. You know, this this whole idea of betraying her people to help the Spanish. She had been captured and traded and sold by different tribes. There was no idea of a a unified racial... uh, identity of mexico mm-hmm. they all saw themselves as independent uh distinct factions with different languages and different cultures that were uh in that moment uh subservient to the mexica uh so right. it would be inaccurate to uh to to say that she, that she was a, a traitor rather she had been, you know, treat, treated. Uh, she had been treated as as an object, you know, uh, and you know the Spanish are no better. Uh, but it's a it's a little more complicated than her betraying a continent, right? Yeah, it. So it's it's complicated. Um, but very slowly, the people start to realize as the Spanish continue to uh, plunder them that these people are playing a different game that they are not uh they are behaving differently and they are uh there is some distinction that needs to be made um and 
while they don't immediately like start to think of the Spanish as a different race from them, they start to make the distinction of uh, who they are in comparison to the Spanish. Um, you know, even mm-hmm. just their idea of there being other continents out there, you know, it was, you know, something to wrap their heads around. Uh, so they referred to themselves as Ninkan Titlaka, uh, which meant we people here. Um, okay. So, Interesting. yeah. So now we, uh, as Cortez learns about the Mexica and he's like, okay, that's, that's the, the brass ring. That's what we need to go to get the gold. Right. Um, as, as he hears more and more about them. Um, now, uh, this is where we have to talk a little bit about the myth of Montezuma believing that Cortez is a god. Um, now, as far as we can tell from the letters that Cortez wrote to King Charles, like immediately after his, his first encounters with these people, uh, he never claimed, even his, in his own self-aggrandizing letters, he never claimed that uh, he was viewed as a god, that he claimed he was a god. This did not happen. Uh, this probably mm. comes from a report written by uh, Fray Toribio de Benavente uh, in the 1540s, who wrote that their God was coming in reference to, um, uh, Cortez and his men landing. Uh, so it might've just been some flowery language to say that like, Oh, the Christian God is coming. Oh, he's, you know, the, 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 he's, he's coming to, um, uh, you know, take over. Right. Um, And then it just gets mistranslated. Yeah. The, um, the Spanish even had an understanding of being called uh, Tealt by the um, by the Aztecs, um, and it was said that it, it was uh, it's been relayed through history that they were referring to them as gods because Tealt was something of religious significance. But the word more accurately means a representation of a god, something that you would maybe offer for a sacrifice or an idol, because they didn't really understand who the Spanish were coming to fight on behalf. The the Spanish always claimed that they were, you know, doing the mission of God. They, they recognized that the Spanish had a separate religion from them and made that a big part of their identity. Uh, mm. So they, they sort of referred to the Spanish colloquially as they're fighting for their God. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there was not a, uh, a a consensus that oh, this is Quetzalcoatl come to take what is rightfully his, right. um, because it does not jar with what Cortez wrote about himself, how the Aztecs saw the world, um, or or even like what Montezuma eventually does as the the Spanish press uh, press on. Um, now, Doña Marina, uh, because. There is no R sound uh, for the Nahuatl, the Nahuatl speaking people. Um, they called her Malina. So it went Marina, Malina. Then hmm. uh, Nahuatl added sort of a, a little, uh, um, you know, sort of, sort of a signifier to the end of it that she was someone important, referred to her as Malince. The Spanish oh. did not have the TZ sound in their language, so they called her Malinche. 
So huh. we got we went from Marina to Malinche, and this is uh, the, this very famous figure in um, you know the, the the story of Mexico. She is this go between between Cortez speaking Spanish and the uh, the Aztecs uh, speaking Nahuatl. Gotcha. Huh. So Cortez does something very interesting from here after he's he's acquired. Uh, He's acquired her and uh, had a couple of uh, small victories, you know, just, you know, mowing people down. Um, He goes ashore and beaches all of his ships. Uh, Mm. And there's a reason he is doing this. Cortez is in a little bit of hot water. He is trying to outrun Spanish Caribbean authority because he is not supposed to be doing any of this. He does not oh. have a license to be going and conquering things. He only he was only what? given permission what? to explore. Right. He's only supposed to be exploring things. He is not supposed to be conquering. He is not an emissary for the Spanish government. Right. So he is like an outlaw in this case. He is. His own. Oh, that's interesting. He is. In fact, he's pretending like he doesn't know that he's in trouble. Oh my God! Um, is, so, he tr- is he trumping it? Is he, he is doing Trump what Trump it. He is does? trumping it. He is trumping it. He is. He um. Wow. He he wants to have some sort of plausible deniability. So, word reaches him from the Spanish Caribbean authorities, and are like, "Hey, you're be very careful. You are not supposed to be doing this." But instead, he just bribes the person who came to uh tell him that to deliver that message and invites him to come along on the expedition. And then he starts sending letters to King Charles to try and make it sound like, I didn't know, you know, like, right. like he's like, he's, he's like, so weird. I haven't heard about, haven't yeah. heard about any of this, oh you know? My God. Yeah. So he's, uh, he, he's pretending like he has not heard the news that he is not supposed to be uh, conquering anything. He beaches his ships and basically tells everyone, well, there's only one way out now. We have to go conquer Mexico. Totally. Not that they can just turn around and... Yeah, well, if if they turn around, they are all in deep trouble. Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, they would all be killed. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's time to do, like, the manly thing, though. And mm-hmm. just go, you know, leave or own up to it. You know, instead of maybe having what, to like go what if, through what all if, that what if work. They didn't, what if they didn't do that, though? Mm. God, I imagine that's what that conversation was like. Mm-hmm. Like, just go. Well, by all accounts, Cortez sounded kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's offering everyone, he's making it sound like all they have to do, they have everything <laughs> that they need. They just need to go and take it. So they start to march inland. Now, what's important to understand is that this had been a drought year, so resources are already spread a little bit thin. Um, mm. And uh, Montezuma has heard about all of this and has heard that they're coming and is trying to um, trying to figure out how he's going to handle this because he recognizes pretty quickly that, okay, the Spanish have uh, some technological superiority, um, you know, he's sending out scouts to tell him everything, gather as much information as they can. Uh, he even learns quite a bit about Christianity because of this, because everywhere the Spanish go, they, they got to spread the good news. 
So much so that by the time the Spanish get to him and start talking to him about uh, Christianity, Montezuma, like, apparently, like, you know, holds his hand up and is like, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard all this. (laughs) You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it, I got it. I've already heard it. So relatable. Skip this part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skip, skip the ad, you know, skip the ad break. Yeah. Fast forward 30 seconds. Um, and, uh. So uh, one of the first um, groups that the Spanish encounter are a, a group of people called the uh, Tlaxican. And when they come up to them, they are ambushed um, and two horses are killed. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're a little freaked out by this. Cortez realizes that even though they have the ability to protect themselves with their armor, if they are ambushed like this, they cannot make any headway um but to kind kind of an interesting turn of events um he's actually then approached by this tribe and they say actually we attacked you by mistake we actually hate the mesti the the mexica right and we want to help you uh go and take them so he actually ends up taking kind of this whole this whole tribe that had been colonized by the Aztecs and are not really, not really fans. They, yeah. but again, they just think that Cortez is after what every, uh, every conqueror has been after, you know, just, just, you know, tribute and, 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 uh, you know, uh, not, uh, not, not, uh, the, uh, the cultural, uh, and, um, uh, j- just total domination that is coming. They just think, oh, this is our chance to get one over on the Mexica. Right. Um, so they they sort of are like, mia culpa, let's, uh, let's follow you along. Then uh, Montezuma is hearing about all of this. He's, uh, he's very upset at the uh, Tlaxican. He tells people, do not side with them, otherwise we will punish you. Um, and basically mobilizes people to try and thwart them as they march inland because he kind of knows that he does not have the resources, again, because of the drought, to take on the Spanish. Um, He's arranging instead for tribute to be given to them, and then he thinks that that might um, uh, keep them off. You know, there are a couple of ambushes. The Spanish are, you know... uh, uh, you know, uh, th- it's difficult uh, for them, but they still make it to the city uh, and they're immediately amazed by it. They kind of can't believe what they are seeing. Uh, it is unlike anything that they know back in uh, Spain, partially because it, it it's a fairly new city. Everything is very planned. All the streets are very neatly road. They're used to european cities that are usually built on medieval uh layouts right um when they arrive they put they they put montezuma under house arrest essentially uh you know uh, there's little that montezuma can do he doesn't want to you know slaughter his own people by you know asking them to fight the spanish he's heard what happens uh and um this is Part of where there has also been this idea of Montezuma as sort of this weak-willed, you know, guy who just sort of uh, is a coward. But 
we can also look at his actions as he does not want to see his people slaughtered. Right, um, right. You know, they present princesses to the Spanish. This is, uh, you know, they're trying to do the things that they normally do. They're like, okay, don't fight your enemies. Get them married into your families, and then everyone uh, starts working together. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, is... <laughs> the, yeah. but but the Spanish kind of just keep going. They, they mm. you know, you give them an inch, they take a mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, there, there's this very, you know, Montezuma meeting them, you know, it was, it was really two colonial powers meeting, uh, Mm. you know, the Montezuma, you know, this, this king of kings and, uh, Cortez, you know, who, who isn't a noble, but is, you know, at least saying he is acting on behalf of the Spanish empire. Um, right. At this point, uh, Alonso uh, de Portocarrero is sent to return to Spain. And they kind of, him and his, the crew kind of can't help to s- but stop in Cuba. They're kind of on a mission. Remember, Portocarrero is uh, nobility. So uh, Cortez has sent him to go and get more help because he knows he can't take Tenochtitlan uh, without uh, more men. Portocarrero stops in Cuba and you know, uh, on his way back to Spain. But while he's there, Diego de Velasquez hears about it. And he is the, uh, he's sort of the, the, uh, the governor of the Caribbean. He hears about this and he's like, he's trying to stop them. He's trying to stop Cortez. Like, cause Cortez mm. is acting out of, you know, th- this is, uh, that none of this has been okayed. Um, He's not able to stop Puerto Carrero from going back to Spain, but he does send uh, one Captain Panfilo mm. de Narvaez uh, to go and try and see if he can uh, rein in Cortez. Um, now, Narvaez is, is significant to the story for a couple of reasons. Um uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll sort of get into that in a second. His, I, I keep wanting to say Navarro. I think every time I, I say know his name. it's, or yeah, it's a little yeah. confusing for sure. Yeah. yeah Navarre. Yes. Navarre. So n- yeah. Nirvana sails after Cortez <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, while Cortez is taking on 100 techs. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I cannot believe that's where the band comes from. That's crazy. A hundred techs. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. All these tech bros mm-hmm. building their city. No, this is this is um pretty crazy, I have to yes. say. Because it's it is also interesting to that just before we jump right back mm-hmm. into it. Because yeah. again, the narrative is usually that the the Spanish are all on board on this, which I mean technically they are later, but yeah. it is it is it's just one of those things of history where there are these figures that just do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, just and unfortunately pure chaos. we got we just got to deal with it, and they have to, these empires deal with the fallout and have to like recoup. Which unfortunately yeah. not much has changed, but it's that's a, that's the wild so thing. It's like it's like this Cortez is just one guy fucking around and finding out, and yeah, now we have to learn about this in grade school. Yeah, like it's crazy. It's really just oh my god! All the people that died from this is oh my god! You have no idea. Um, okay, so Montezuma, while on house arrest, is then um, ambushed and taken hostage. 
uh, for 80 days. Uh, Cortez is now, he, since he had been let in, um, he is like, okay, we don't have enough men, but what we could, if we could just get them, if we could just get the men from Spain, we could take the city. Um, so he hears that, uh, some ships have landed on the coast, but he knows that it's too soon for it to be the Spanish. So he mm. assumes, okay, this is the Caribbean authorities coming after me. So instead, he marches back to the coast and bribes Narvaez's men, Narvaez's men oh to be like, hey, if you guys ditch him and come with me, we can share in the spoils. So they like, with not very much effort, there's a short battle, but they don't really, uh, they, they don't put up much effort. Like, uh, just a like like ten guys die, and oh they're they're like, eh, let's see where this goes. So they all betray Narvaez. Oh he is God. now a prisoner, and they all march with Cortez towards Taniktalan, uh, oh to uh, to to go and do this. This is this is the the end of May. We're 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 not even that. We're not even like halfway through the year. There, Jesus, yeah. When Cortez returns, he finds that Tenochtitlan is in rebellion. Um, a bunch of uh, different parties of Spanish uh, and uh, people and slaves have been killed. Horses have been killed. Um, even slaves that they brought from Africa uh, have mm. been slaughtered. Um, uh, Montezuma, um, you know, th- they sort of prop him up and say, like, go tell the people not to fight. But Montezuma can't convince them not to fight. Montezuma... He is unfortunately aware that if even if they kill them, more will come and it will only get worse. So Montezuma is kind of being a little bit more of a realist, but history has not been kind to him. And he's kind of been painted as uh, as as a coward. But again, he just does not want to see his people suffer more. Um, Essentially, Cortez walks back into the middle of an urban war. You know, there's. They're, they have they're they're fi- it, they're not fighting in the jungle with these people. They're fighting like across city blocks. You know, Jeez. this is this is you know it's more like they're they're invading they're invading an urban area, right? You know? Um, and the people are putting up a lot of effort. There's all of these crazy um, stories that we don't even really have time to get into, but incredible stories of the. The, the locals thwarting the Spanish, um, individuals who sort of sacrifice themselves, but in the effort, you know, take down a bunch of the Spanish. They occasionally capture weapons, but sort of realize that they don't really have use uh, for them, uh, or they can't really learn to use them uh, in time. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they also recognize that, you know, they need the ammunition, uh, right. that, that, that the weapons are kind of, are not use useful once they capture them so montezuma's half brother organizes a resistance they surround the spanish uh, and the spanish realize that they need to get out that they cannot win um they try to escape after seven days after being surrounded um but they're spotted uh, as they try to leave in the middle of the night they're they're trying to get off the island because remember Tenochtitlan's on an island in the middle yeah, of the lake yeah it's in the middle of the lake yeah, yeah. it's it's not the easiest yeah. thing to navigate yeah montezuma's half brother has has kind of got them surrounded 
they try to leave, but they're they're found out. Uh, and as they try to leave in the middle of the night, they are from all over the water. You know, the water's filled with canoes. They've learned that if they stab the horses in the belly from underneath the bridge, they can bring them down. Um, and uh, basically just, it is a total slaughter of the Spanish trying to leave the city. Uh, there's even a part of the bridge that's broken. The Spanish try to, a bunch of them drown as they're trying to flee. And remember, hmm. it's not just Spanish. It's also the local... The other uh, ones. Yeah, the, the, other o- the, the local tribes that have uh, allied with them. Right, right. Um, it's said that it's so brutal that the last are able to walk out of the canal, but they do it because the bodies had piled up and formed a bridge. Ooh, that is... Yes. That is intense. Yeah. So about two-thirds of all the Spanish have died. 600 Spanish and many more natives have died as well. Uh, Cortez estimates about 2000 dead altogether. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but eventually the natives are, uh, they come to understand that more Spanish are coming. Cortez is already famous in Europe. Uh, he soon is going to have the, the full backing, the full official backing of the Spanish, uh, to you know, because basically he's he said, "Hey, by the way, I took the city for you. Thanks. I, I, you're welcome. You're welcome." Oh my god! Um, so th- they kind of have to make it look official at this point, even though he's been completely acting out of uh, acting illegally up until this point. Right. When Cortez returns, he's teaching the natives uh, to build and sail ships, so that they don't need to get the ships to. Tenochtitlan to the lake they just can build them on the shore and then lay siege to the city because they they fled in july okay at this point smallpox has struck ah yeah now narvaez is also significant because it is it is generally understood that someone on his ship is probably what had the virus is probably who had the virus so not only did the guy accidentally give Cortez the men he needed to uh, wage war on um, on Tanique Talon, but he also probably introduced smallpox to oh, the Aztecs. Oh my god! The dude not re- just the dude just kind of bumbled his way through history again, ac- sort oh. of just accidentally becoming super significant significant to history. That is, I did not. I did yeah. not realize he was that important, especially yeah, well, re- like yeah, because like honestly, also it was mostly his men that died uh, yeah. when oh. when uh, they were kicked out of Tenochtitlan. Like, jeez, everyone that betrayed him, uh, well, not everyone, but most of the men, most of the Spanish that died were his men. He wow, he 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 bungled a lot of this. He got a lot of people killed, uh, both Spanish and Mexica. Oh, don't worry. Uh, it just get, he gets more people killed later on too. Oh, I can't when we wait our, when we reach our our epilogue of the story. Yes, yes. Um, so Montezuma's half brother, in fact, dies of smallpox. It has a ten day incubation, so people didn't immediately know that they were sick, which is especially uh, scary. Yeah, they they obviously had immunity or resistance to a lot of local diseases, you know, because they they had a huge trading network 
you know, so diseases passed up and down Mexico all the time, you know, and the survivors, you know, had antibodies um, from being right, exposed to right. the diseases. And the Spanish had all similarly been inoculated to smallpox, but there was absolutely no um, immune immunity among the Native Americans. They no. all 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 of the it's estimated about a third of them just die in this period just from smallpox. Uh, it, yeah. is, it is, it is, it is like a horror movie. Like it went from being a war movie to now it is just, it, it is apocalyptic. Just the dead lying everywhere. People sick. It's, it's awful. It's, it's really mm-hmm. awful. And meanwhile, they're all sick and they're just waiting for the Spanish to come back. Oh um, my God. And then, so this other guy who's kind of a social climber, uh, Quatemoc, he he sort of emerges from this council of nobles, and he decides this is a great opportunity to kill off his enemies and use the Spanish as sort of this way to rise to the top. You know, um, he would... Right. Um, when the Spanish did come back, you know, they would make a show of, like, sacrificing the Spanish that were captured... Uh, you know, they, they they put up a, a good, as best a resistance as they could. But at this point, a lot of other tribes have sided with the Spanish. They oh, have, boy. they, and with, they're like able to like go in and, and sabotage basically the, um, the, the, the blockades that the Mexica are setting up because they understand how all of their, uh, their, their systems work. they, they can they don't even need the aztecs causeways anymore because they now have these ships they actually become very good a lot of indigenous people become very good sailors very very quickly mm. this leads to 3 months of fighting before negotiations finally start you know Jeez. the uh they they would they would sit down and talk and like you know they're trying to make it look like they're not the, the mexico are trying to make it look like they're not starving there's like uh, an old man that they plant at the meeting who's like very slowly eating some food in front of them to like, like it's in the middle of the meeting and he's like just taking some food out of his bag to like make it look like they have plenty of food. But Cortez mm. kind of sees through this, you know, and you know, uh, uh, they've got Malinche there. She's there to basically in, be act as interpreter between the two people. And, that is really the moment that Tenochtitlan falls to the Spanish. It it goes from being, you know, this probably one of the most beautiful cities in the world. The, the Spanish yeah. could barely describe it how how immaculate it was supposed to be. It is now in ruin. Um and the Spanish once they take over, they start rebuilding it with Renaissance architecture and that would become yeah. Mexico City. And don't forget they drain the lake. Yep, yep. And you now know, Mexico they, City's sinking because yeah. of that. Seriously, it's like a yeah. legitimate problem. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, uh, it's it, crazy. It's crazy. You know, they, uh, and again, this is, all these people were kind of, were like, all right, this is business as usual, just the newest, you know, persons on top. But, you know, the Spanish made it very clear. They're like, actually, we need you all to, move out of rural areas and into cities so that we can more efficiently, you know, convert everyone to Christianity. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's debatable how like quickly the, the, the native Mexicans, 
like really adopted Christianity because a, a lot of native traditions remained, you know, especially in yeah. the East as people sort of moved away from where the Spanish were. And to this day, there are still, you know, some, there, there are some, some cultural remnants and holdouts, but this is really where, uh, the, the Spanish begin building, you know, the, this, uh, extending out their, their empire, you know, once they, once they take Tanik Talan, they're kind of able to use what had already been conquered by the Aztecs, uh, as, um, to, to just basically uh, be like, oh, you're you're paying us tribute now, but we're not interested in um, we're not interested in uh, you know uh, sacrifices. We want all right. the gold. We want slaves to work the cotton plantations. Um, not not that sacrificing people is a a, a good thing necessarily, but they are they're they're coming in with. Uh, it's different I, I, cultural I, expectations and it different, is, different it is. Um, needs. Exactly. Very different. In a sense yeah. Of. No, they're, they're, um, you know, I think tribute had been understood as a thing that sort of kept the peace uh, prior to them. Yeah. And they're now acting sort of on behalf of this like uh, quasi corporate entity. No, that it's is. it's it's what it is. Literally, yeah. I mean, it's we're watching the makings of the industrialization of basically Central and South America. Like it starts, yeah. it starts with this type of conquest, right? Right. This um, and, and we had talked even all the way back about the the Inca Empire. Uh, yeah. That uh, South, Central and South America were really big on hegemonic empires that. Because they didn't have horses, they they didn't really there there was nothing efficient about holding a territorial empire, you know, having to like go out and install your own uh people in charge. They were more like leave the locals in charge, just give us tribute. Um and the Spanish they they will do this, but because they have horses, they they're willing to uh, it, it sort of go for the bloodshed that's required for in the short term for the territorial empire, and then yeah. they can just start making money hand over fist off of this colony. Right, right. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So it, this this is a very complicated story that I'm trying my best to to simplify, and but it, basically this is to show that there was a lot more intricate political a lot more uh, uh of political intricacies going on in the spanish conquest of mexico it is not necessarily as straightforward as we necessarily think it is uh i also wanted to show off that the museum actually has cortez's lost sandal oh wow what yeah. a find actually mm -hmm. imagine if he had like a, a croc but it had like you know like a, <laughs> one of those uh those like little uh the the what what are the little charms that people put on their crocs? Oh, uh, I don't know what they're called, but I know what you mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. but like one of them's like a little cross. What would what would Cortez oh. put on his crocs? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> God, I, this man seems so unpredictable. I have no idea. Definitely a cross. I mean, if they yeah. understood what a t-shirt was, it'd be mm -hmm. over. Like oh, everybody yeah. would just have merch. Yeah. Um, gosh, these people are horrific and horrible. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, 
as as someone that I assume knew part of this history, what are what are sort of your your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew a bit about this, and from a little bit of what you were telling, I didn't know about all of the in the the uh, guerrilla warfare and things that were happening yeah. and that sort of strategies. That's crazy. I mean, it's yeah. also one of these cases where you're it, again because history is complicated and it's nuanced, and even on both of these sides, both major empires are doing pretty awful things to different groups of people but mm-hmm. you can't but because we know the outcome we know that like those siding with the spanish are not going to get out of this the no. way they think they are no. you you want to it's like game of thrones it's like i'm cheering for the other for the aztecs to just like win for the for the mexican to win and then it's like but that's not how this is going to happen and this is not how it's going to go and unfortunately that's such a common theme yeah. amongst just stories yeah. of colonization in america yeah but um i mean it, it would be at least a point of pride for a lot of them like going yeah. forward you know and what's interesting too is a lot of them adopt the idea because they they are trying to rationalize uh how they lost and a lot of that's where a lot of this uh this conception of montezuma yeah. being this, yeah. this weak-willed coward come from the it's it's interesting because a lot of this information comes from actual accounts that the Aztecs wrote down. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because they they were they actually were really fascinated by the Roman alphabet. I think I talked about this last time. Um, yeah. So they wrote things down in the huddle, uh, just transcribed with uh, with Latin letters. Oh, that makes it that's yeah. great for historians <laughs> but, but, in this case. Yeah. So we but we actually do see them like almost kind of adopting some of the Spanish propaganda, trying mm-hmm. to trying to rationalize how their how their empire fell. But again, like this resistance that they put up would be would be a point of pride for generations. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. And I mean yeah. honestly and then and just sort of I think as we wrap up because of our time too, like mm-hmm. this all does come together too in terms of just like you for, for for things like this to happen you need the right context the right insanely weird timing to occur and yeah. then it's just that one instance like because imagine yeah. if okay the the spanish just ignore cortez or they let him die out there whatever they're just not going to get involved and mm-hmm. navarez never shows up or yeah. he just doesn't do anything this yeah. goes a very different way now yeah. um if i if i could just give us our epilogue here real quick because maybe yes, some of you are this, wondering this, this what was... happened to Nervarez because we <laughs> that's didn't... what we're, that's what we're all wondering about this yeah this, this guy well, that if he had done nothing yeah. things would might have might have worked out it would have been better for so many people um because he uh when when Zan, this is just a little bit of transparency when Zan and I were, were talking about the the tour and researching I ended up finding this excerpt and um Joseph uh, Heinrich's book, The Secret to Our Success, which I did finish and I highly recommend. It touches a lot of the things we talked about today and especially with cultural evolution. It starts to give a little bit of context to why certain groups are not going to understand each other in these ways, like how the Aztecs would or the Mexican would think about that the Spanish are going to follow their cultural routines right. and the Spanish the opposite. Yes. Um, but that being said, he, he talks about the Navarrez expedition as a a piece of evidence amongst many of these European expedition stories as to why human beings aren't set up with innate survival that mm. we don't just, and this is like, I won't go too tangential with this and we'll keep it into what we're talking about, but essentially that 
we are not programmed with the material, the genetics, let's say, to understand how if we're thrown into a random situation in a different country or a different planet, we can survive just be based on intuition. No, mm. it's absolutely false. And but there's you, so many you, accounts. You don't, of this. you don't think about like what what you would do if you were you were stranded on an island if you had your your castaway moment. I would be screwed. I don't know how to fish. I don't know how to spear fish. I don't know how to like build anything that well. This I is, feel like this is why this is why I wear automatic dive watches because oh, uh, yeah. no battery. <laughs> exactly. That's the reason. Yeah. No, no but this, it's, it's, this is, it's so this is interesting. Why, it's why I like dressing like an explorer, wearing no, red know. wing boots. I am I am prepared at all times to be stranded. Uh, yeah, you, you, you are. Know, that I is probably for sure. I probably would die, but they would find my skeleton and be like, "Well, clearly this was a pioneer. He was this, yes, this, this was man, an eighteen hundreds man. This, 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 yes, you know this this oh man this, this man in Florida for some reason was wearing you know work trousers yeah. and <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and red wing boots. I mean, oh clearly he was some sort of lost pioneer. Look at his look at his chambray <laughs> shirt. Oh my god, I love that. I mean, yeah, no, there's there's something to it, but uh, it, it's really interesting, and I absolutely recommend that book as well as the the weirdest people in the world. But mm-hmm. in this little excerpt, which I thought was interesting, because again, this is like the epilogue to this story. This is right. taking place in 1528. Apparently, you know, Panfilo Navarez takes his army of um, Spanish conquistadors, or I guess who he's in charge of, and this is happening mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay, Florida. Because it worked. It worked so well the first time. Yeah, I know. I don't know who gave this guy more people, but I don't actually know the in-betweens of this, so we're missing some information, and for sure yeah, there, there, there's like after, a, There's like but, an eight-year gap here. Yeah, stuff happens, but yeah, about eight years later, he's in search of fabled city of gold. You know, they're hanging out in Florida. Everybody's trying to explore Florida, so they end up slightly north of Tampa Bay, and he decides he's going to split his army of conquistadors, so he takes 300 of them inland to explore, mm. um, which was a bad idea. And they end up stumbling through Florida's swamplands. They don't find any gold. They don't find any lost city. They don't know where they are or what they're doing. Just and Cuban sandwiches. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know. And, and, and cigars, maybe? Maybe. I don't think they got any of that, though. Oh, but okay. they're so they're fumbling and bumbling about. And if they end up trying to get back to the coast and they miss their rendezvous time because he sent the ships to meet them. He's like, if we don't find it, meet us here at this day, we'll be there. Hmm. And uh, they were not there because they got there too late. So the ships left because they're not going to be sitting around. So this is now, Navarez is now with 242 men. This is what he's got left. It's about 50 okay. or so had died in the swamps. Ooh. And this is, so he orders them to build crude ships to paddle along the coast to reach the Sp- a Spanish port in Mexico. So that's his strategy here. Um, so, Putting this in perspective, they're southwest of Tampa somewhere and are going to paddle from there to Mexico, just following the Gulf, thinking it's pretty hmm. short. Uh, it's not. It's far. That's a very long trek. Yeah. So um, wait, south, southwest of Tampa. Tampa, yeah. All well, the I way mean, up. But, but, but Tam- Tampa's already on the west coast of Florida. Like, where w- they must have I have been, no idea. They must have I guess been below. Like, I want to say below Tampa Bay. So, so like, I guess Sarasota? Maybe as this yeah. is like an estimate. I mean, they could have went in a circle for all maybe, we know. You know what well, I mean? Well, maybe maybe they were in Tampa Bay and they thought that that was they didn't recognize that Tampa Bay is like halfway up, only halfway up Florida. Yeah, and they 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 must have they must have thought that they were maybe like up closer to the Panhandle or something, maybe, and like that, maybe? and that they that they could just ride around that. 
Well, that's what they were thinking, and it went yeah. very badly because they got stranded on their way to like through Texas. So they make it up towards Texas. They get that yeah. far. Oh, wow. and um, yeah. So like they're getting somewhere up there, but they end up getting stranded on barrier islands. Oh, and now they're marooned. They don't have any food. They don't have any water, and they eventually end up partaking in cannibalism. But this, Ooh. yeah, it's not a good look. Uh, this is until a group of peaceful uh, Karankawa indigenous hunter-gatherers, found, they find them and help them out by giving them some food and some water and showing them a little bit of how to fish, how to do things. Uh, and this is also due to the Karankawa having lived a long time on the coastal regions of Texas. They understand the land. They understand where to find food and how to survive this and be healthy, essentially. Um, so they help the conquistadors out. Then they leave. So they, the conquistadors send the Navarres as well, go on their merry way and get they literally maroon themselves again. Oh my God. Didn't pay attention at all. Get marooned again. Now they're in a worse state. They're still stranded on the coast and way more of them die. But one group does manage to survive just a bit because they learned from the Karakawa and knew how to find oysters to survive on. And pretty much the rest of them starved. And I'm pretty sure Navarres dies at this point too. So literally only there's a handful of them that make it out, but the only reports of those who ever um, survive is a group of four men. So there's three Spaniards and one um, who was a Moroccan enslaved man. Mm -hmm. They end up getting taken uh, as slaves themselves by another group of Karankawa, um, the hunter gatherers who are more like taking over some of those regions. Mm -hmm. They take them into slavery and put them right to service. So they have to fetch food, water, Mm -hmm. you know, firewood, things like that for years. So they're living amongst them, understanding mm-hmm. their cultural, hab- like their their um, identities, cult- customs, things like that. Yeah. Eventually, they are able to escape during this um, annual prickly pear harvest season, like a festival's happening. They manage to yeah. get away because they know the land a bit better at this point. They know where to go, and they make their way uh, down to Mexico. But this is by stopping at different like um, villages and, and tribal regions and things like that at working as shaman and medicine men and um using their newfound cultural knowledge to kind of their advantage but also as a part of their own Mm. identities so this just example all being said is that you know using these in the indigenous cultural strategies for survival is quite literally one of the only ways to get out of some of these insane life or death situations but also there's so much to be learned about that cultural exchange and what partakes of, of how we learn to to manage and adapt now just to close that when, when we're talking about the story that you were just telling us about you know Tenochtitlan and what happened there it's it is kind of interesting to see where the spanish not that they know that they're doing this but they use this information to their advantage and when they disregard mm. it it's their demise Right, they disregard mm-hmm. some of the cultural knowledge, some of the indigenous knowledge. They get stranded, they die, or you know, mm-hmm. they lose tons of yeah. men because they absolutely underestimate how difficult of an enemy this is going to be. Um, but then, even we see this on the more the the Mexican, but then also the other indigenous tribes' perspective, where they think because oh, these guys are more powerful, they'll listen to us, we'll be able to manage. It doesn't work out like that because again, there's these cultural differences at play here that they're not thinking the same way and yeah i find that interesting and this is like this is one example but we can see this historically that this constantly happens which starts to make a lot of sense and so instead of thinking about this as like a guns germs and steel thing where oh that this the the spaniards are just better because 
steel and gun. And it's like, no, mm. not really. It's just because of luck and because of fumbling through things like this happening and biological warfare. But no, it, Joe, it's, it's the shape of the continents limiting what <laughs> type of domesticated. Animals. Oh, my God. It's the rivers. It's the rivers that cut through. And the, the, <laughs> it's just and the, so. Oh, my God. It's, and it's one, very frustrating. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, as those as they were like trying to go up the, you know, go along the Gulf of Mexico, making their way to Texas from Florida, eat, yeah. try, trying to eat oysters. There was one. Diego Buffet. <laughs> Diego Buffet. And, oh my God. And, you know, he was like, why don't y'all go ahead? I'm just gonna. He's just gonna I'm hang. Just, I, I'm, just, I'm just gonna hang here with the mm. with, with them, with eating them oysters. Man, rest in yeah. peace. Rest in rest peace. Rest in peace, but, King. But yeah, no, it, it, it is, it is one yeah, of those things. Well, it's like, um, and this isn't specific to Europe, but. There is a certain <laughs> flavor of colonization that is, uh, let's go to this new place and just try to recreate what, what we, we had, have, yeah. what we had previously, rather than adapting to the landscape. Yeah. And we're and now it doesn't living. Work. <laughs> we're we're living in a in a world of the environmental fallout of that, whether it is introduced species that wreak havoc on the environment or unsustainable agricultural practices in a place that formerly was with that form places that formerly were uh you know perfectly uh sustainable agriculturally um yeah. and it's also not to say that there wasn't trial and error for the the natives to get to that point i think we also it's, need to yeah. not get into the kind of kind of like weird thing that i hear some people the, the way that people talk about like especially native americans is like almost like magical elves oh i know i hate you it know? i think because i because I, so I, I also find that i i'm i i also i i recognize and have heard that that is also very condescending yeah but, no it's not but good. that they they arrived at the the ways that they lived by you know their own form of of trial and error but in arriving somewhere new and trying to uh, just retrofit everything onto it, you know, going, yeah, draining, draining the lake around a floating city so that you can build stone buildings uh, in in a, yep. in a in a low area, like oh my god, this, yeah, there, there's there's a you know what I, I think I think the Spanish messed up might have messed up a little bit. No, you think? They, they no, might, they, but, what's what's Spanish for whoopsie? Oh, man. I don't know enough <laughs> Spanish. No, they, they, it's it's but it's it's this thing. It's that it's it is that it's what po it's posed in the the weirdest people in the world, and I think it's mm -hmm. an interesting perspective without jumping too much into guns, germs, steel territory of when you have organizations that start changing the cultural mentality and you believe that as individuals or as groups of people, you can take your beliefs and your culture anywhere and have mm -hmm. it replicated, that's room for trouble. And that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why European colonization is so much different and more exploitative and dangerous than a, a deadly, literally deadly than others that have happened throughout history. It's just a different type of industry in and of itself and we still see that today i mean this is the iraq war essentially it's america saying we're going to instill democracy in a place that does not have the same cultural customs as us and then we're going to walk away 
and look what happened. And it's just, it's, it's always uh-huh. like that. It's these, it's this mindset of we're going to, we know what's better than the people who live there for thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of years and have their own cultural customs and heritage and crops and understanding of the land. But we're going to plant other things like wheat and, and crops that don't, or we're going to like, again, mm-hmm. instill these government types that don't really function well in other places. It's, it's, um, it's why I think this, this, that, that, that theory in, in general, this evolutionary theory is so interesting because it starts to clarify mm-hmm. a lot of these issues of, no, we all, we all are human beings. We all have our own cultures and our own identities that function differently in the way that our societies are raised up. So it's important to realize that as we begin to build our institutions, especially with the inclusion of other peoples, and not just to start mm-hmm. claiming one is right or one is wrong over the other in these ways. Right. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think um, this is... Yeah, no, this, this is, it's important stuff to ask ourselves, you know, like not to, not to necessarily always look at history as like a a struggle of, of good and evil, because that, that, that that reduces a lot of people to, to, to things that, to, to where we don't understand them and we might think we're better than them because we, yeah. And not not that we sh- not not that we should like not be critical of all the things they did, but when when we when we impart our morals on them, we fail to see how we could be making similar mistakes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and no, I mean th- this uh, this stuff is really important because it's also it, it's it's very difficult to figure out what exactly is why 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 certain cultures end up dominant over others throughout the course of history but maybe the the question the question that has the the way it's been posed is like oh well it's these this culture was was always going to end up on in on top because of x y and z and you know these these values of that culture led to that and maybe more looking at the systems in place that allow a culture to to thrive and for others to not be yeah. uh, to, to to not uh uh to not fare as well in very specific situations because I, I i think at the end of the day what we have to remember is you know the spanish had a slight technological advantage you know when when they right. arrived you know guns were not as effective uh as they would be in you know for uh, uh, they were they were not as reliable no. or as effective you like know armor and yeah boats. the the horse the horses, horses made yeah. made a made a difference but also you know the the natives were finding ways to to take down horses uh, the both the inca and and the and the mexica but you know more of just this there there is that that guns germs and steel combo of like all of these things all at once weakened them but inevitably it's these 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 systems that led to our current global situation of yeah of exploitation of of pretty much statistically everyone on earth (laughs) um yeah that the the people who set those things in motion did not entirely understand the feedback loop of it no. and how could they right uh, to to yeah. some extent i don't i don't think i don't think any of them could see uh having to pay installments on ordering a piece of pizza online 
you know. Yeah, they couldn't predict Uber Eats. They so, could not. They could know. not. They could not predict What's next Shopify. For us? No. <laughs> yeah. I you know, it just makes you wanna it just makes you wanna get on a small boat and circumnavigate the world. Maybe. I don't know mm. about that, but No? No, it's kidding. Yeah, no, no you know. It's Aww, out there. No, we could do you, it. You, I think you we know, could do you, it. You would be the first person I would ask. You know, yeah? You, it, <laughs> uh, I, well, I mean, that would just be a vibe. I feel like we'd, we'd get a lot of music done. I think you know? so. I think so. Well, oh, my gosh. You, you could bring your accordion. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Now we have sea shanties. It's our, it's our One Piece arc. It'll go exactly. on forever. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, maybe wow. we'll, like, maybe we'll, like, just sail to Key West or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know. From sailing the world to Key West, yeah, we gotta know, we gotta I... circumnavigate the world and then end up in Fort Lauderdale, just like that, <laughs> that Phoenician <laughs> ship replica, <laughs> <laughs> or Magellan's ship ending up in upstate yeah. New York. <laughs> Kingston, it's amazing. Yeah, God, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, or or, no, but... or or like the the Parthenon in uh in yeah. uh in Ash or Nashville. Oh my God, yeah, that is such that is insane. Yeah. A true um, American icon. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have covered a lot of ground we and have, I'm yeah. I'm I'm delighted by our completely random uh but maybe not maybe not so random. Our our complete coincidence, our complete gift of the magi moment. I uh, know. We 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 had we had both uh stories <laughs> that involved uh uh Dave Navarro. Yes, this was good. <laughs> of <laughs> a uh, uh, pan panfilo de narvaez yeah. it's so fu- i mean it, it, i think we're just we're just so in tune you know with our collected unconscious you know that's also in the book too in, in, mm. in heinrich's book but it is it is quite funny and i'm happy to match up because this is going to be a very different tour but i'm very happy that you know we could synthesize you know both of these things get into the epilogue a little bit but then just mm-hmm. close out because I, I really think it's worth spending the time to to finish out what we were talking about with the the aztec empire story and mm-hmm. and notice all the consequences that come with that but also yeah. again the importance of indigenous practices yeah and knowledge and cultural knowledge to- definitely i i think there was there was a moment uh that i think not that they needed to be to be humanized because they're they're they are human beings, but there there was this moment that I think showed the the pragmatism of mm. the Aztecs, and that was you know in in sort of the final days of one of their battles, uh, of uh, you know sort of that final stand yeah. against uh the the Spanish, um. They, the, you know, the priests predicted, you know, a great victory for them. So they mm. said the omens say it will be a great victory. But the, they had been wrong before. And the people were like, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I think, I think we've, we've got to, you know, start negotiating here. Uh, and, you know, as they continued to lose, had, you know, kind of a, they, they didn't necessarily have like a, a, a an insane crisis of faith as much as they were like, these priests are full of it. Ah. Uh, and gotcha. it was just this very moment of like, yeah, these aren't stupid people. These aren't, 
people they're, they're proud of of their of their heritage and they're religious and they they believe in what they're fighting for but they're not like it, it would be incorrect to think of them as like just people in a delusional cult you know sacrificing yeah. sacrificing uh people uh on top of a pyramid even though that was something that they did they did uh, do that yeah they did do that yeah yeah you know the, the aztecs i i gotta say it, it's 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 a very intense history they pack a lot in there Oh um, yeah. Yeah. But that they are they are uh free free minded enough to recognize that they can see which way the wind's blowing. You know? Yeah. It's not no, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. It, it's uh I don't know. That that was just a very uh I, I, I think that was an important moment of recognition in, mm. in the in the book as well, that people are not just doing things because because it is said because it is written people are yeah. adapting to their situations uh, as as they observe the world around them that makes sense yeah, yeah. i like that yeah yeah well, well yeah all right yeah uh, yeah i'm glad i'm glad we could talk about this especially yeah, you know uh, with with indigenous people's day coming up and you know getting getting to to really go in depth into this story that we uh we, we we kind of only get the broad strokes of typically because yeah, to be honest, it's also insanely complicated. So yeah. I also kind of understand in a history curriculum why not they have that, to parse it down. Yeah. yeah, why you gotta but but it does deserve it does deserve more nuance than it than it than it gets. I, I think I think I it, it is agree. it is underserved very often. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you for for kind of not spark noting it, but essentially getting us the 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 necessary details here, and then that way everybody who listened can go and you know read this book and learn a lot more because I do think yeah. this is really important history. Yeah, and thank you for the the cultural evolution angle to to look at all oh, of for this sure, stuff yeah. as because this is I I think that's that is the the way that we we should also be be looking at all of these these changes throughout history that uh, yeah. as 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 humans we we continue to evolve but it is it, it's a uh it's a passing on of ideas and information that allows us to adapt and survive rather than uh purely like genetic material absolutely exactly yeah yeah well uh well what a uh what a what a tour what a uh what an insane <laughs> yeah an insane amount of Gosh, information to try to is. try and cram in i i know we went a little long here so maybe uh let's uh let's uh let's try to get a quick stick it or ticket in real quick sure let's do it uh, all right did you have any right off the bat i had a couple that were interest that that were interesting um one was uh it said uh fury inside and i thought it said furry inside oh mm. um and then a bunch of other things like with sports teams around it so i'm sure that's that's a reference to some some sports ball sure. team gotcha. uh, but but yeah uh i i don't know but just out of context it was like fury inside as a fury. sticker is just kind of funny it was also on the back of a pt cruiser oh my just... god of course it was <laughs> of course um the other was uh um all of these like dad, proud dad of a army, oh, army guy, yeah. but which, you know, whatever. Um, but then uh, right above it was a sticker of Goku. 
Oh my god. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> he is a proud army dad. That is amazing. His son oh his son is so brave. Yes. Gosh, thank you for yes. your service. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. I have three here. And okay. they progressively get stranger. So I have the first one, it said airy strong. But it had a very buff ram as a visual on top of that. <laughs> like super muscular, like a minotaur. It was so confusing. Um, and I was like, okay, I guess they're just really into that as the icon of Ares. The yes. next the next one said condoms prevent minivans, which huh. philosophically is fascinating to me. Yes. Huh. <laughs> I'm leaving okay. you with that one. Because I it yeah. can mean a few things, which I was like, I don't really know. What to make? Why would you put that in your car? Um, but you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a, like uh, a, I, 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 can't, I remember someone in someone in my high school. I think had a shirt or a sticker or something that said, uh, "Autism causes vaccines." Which, oh my God, was, that's also w- 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 a, a fascinate, a fascinatingly weird. Uh, yeah. Take. But I was like, they know, tried good, good, something. Good, there. good for them. You know, if you're going to be focused on something, it should be <laughs> the the betterment be. of humanity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so wow. Okay. So then I well, got I got one more here. Okay. Okay. Let's let's oh, see. Wait, this. Where, how, how amazing how we could top minivan, but okay. Um, I don't know if it'll top it, but it it's a follow up to the last one that I said was yay outside, right? I found another <laughs> one. I found another one. To, I found a different one that says yay dinosaurs so there's a trend there's a trend <laughs> happening i don't know who's making these yay signs, who's making these yay stickers i don't know but i thought that dinosaurs one was so fun i was like <laughs> yeah i do think about dinosaurs <laughs> so yeah definitely yeah. it was a it was a it was definitely some odd finds nice nice well great um next up uh some uncanny recommendations what have you been reading watching listening to Ooh, yeah, so many things. I'm going to try to speed run this so that way we don't go over too much. But mm-hmm. uh, I did read and finish uh, Elliot Eisner, or Professor Elliot Eisner's book, uh, The Arts and Creation and the Creation of Mind. If you're in education or an art education or an artist or an artist thinking about being a teacher, read it. It's an older book. It's from 2002, but it holds up today. I think it's very valuable in terms of, you know, thinking about how to set up curriculums. What is the use of standardized testing, if it's even worth it at all, and how to essentially just think as a teacher and and be and think about how the arts can be used creatively in other subjects too. I really enjoyed it. It was definitely helpful for my own research. Uh, I also started reading recently Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Already like 40 pages in day one. Like very interesting. Get it done before the movie comes out. I'm trying. It's kind of like what I did for Dune, but this is (laughs) real. You know, it's, (laughs) it's like a lot. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I know with the movie they did, um, they did do like Scorsese did more research because of the delay with like COVID and stuff. So I'm very right. curious to see what they add from this. Um, right. In terms of like shows, I also wanted to to say that um, you know Reservation Dogs season three and its season finale is over. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely recommend watching that show. It is fantastic and an absolute must watch. I've also never promoted this one too, but this show on Hulu called This Fool, so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's written by like um, Fred Armiston, who like shows up in it too. He helped produce it. It's very good. I definitely recommend it. It's got some interesting. Uh, comedic bits in there as well and um 
I feel like I had some music to recommend, but oh yeah, I do. The new Duster album dropped called Remote Echoes. It's great. I absolutely recommend that. It was so, I listened to it like in the morning driving somewhere and it was just so chill and existential a little bit, just like Duster always does. So highly would recommend that. Um, but how about you, Zan? What else? What do, what do you have to recommend? Oh boy. Um, I have I have a couple new things I've been uh, reading, but um, I'll uh, I think I'll have to uh, promote them next time because I have to uh, finish reading them. But sure. I, fi- I finally have some some fiction stuff that I'm getting into, which is uh, great after a long nonfiction kick. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, as far as listening, um, I have uh, recently gotten into some Towns Van Zant. Uh, oh I yeah, ha- I would highly mm. recommend Our Mother the Mountain. Uh, very, mm. uh, very great, uh, uh, haunting uh, folk music there. Um, and also, um, uh, Volcano by Jungle uh, is a is a great bop. Uh, or a whole album of bops. Uh, it, it, I think I think everybody has probably heard back on seventy four at this point, but th- the whole album is is very great. Um, and you know, as we're as we're pretty solidly getting into spooky season, as always, uh, the Over the Garden Wall soundtrack, which yeah, I have reserved uh, the next the next time it's coming out on vinyl. But I also re listened to it today, and it is it is just a, a delightful, incredible soundtrack. It's also great to hear the full versions of some of those songs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, and that is that is it for me on recommendations. Um, as far as things uh, outside the museum, what have you got going out to, uh, that you are promoting, Joe? I don't have too much at the moment, honestly, going on. But again, you can always check out my work on my website, uh, josaminoart.com, or also some of my music on Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your music from, just with my name, Josemino. Um, how about you, Zan? Do you have anything specific to plug? Um, yes. If you are listening to this uh, the day it comes out, uh, October 7th, which is also my birthday. Um, oh, happy birthday! Thank you. Um, I have some work uh, going uh, that is going to be actually uh, part of an art auction tonight uh, at Guava in Tampa. Uh, so they are having that reception uh, in Ebor. In, uh, the historic downtown of Ebor, uh, and I would highly recommend checking them out. They've got a lot of really cool uh, artists. Again, that's Guava in Tampa, um, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a really great party. I really wish I could be there. It is also my cousin's wedding today, so if you're hearing this, I'm I'm probably uh, at a wedding. Oh, uh, well, there you uh, go. At, currently, um, but that is going on. I am also uh, the this. When you're hearing this, uh, it would the reception would have been yesterday, but um, my work will be up with a bunch of other really great artists at touched at the show uh, touched by a lobster at the work gallery. The work spelled W E R K in Saint Petersburg, uh, right across from Black Crow Coffee uh, on uh, First Ave South. A uh, really cool gallery uh, run by some really great people, and I'm very excited to be a part of that show. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, along with a bunch of other uh, things that I'll, I'll have to be promoting soon. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you all for joining us today. This is a ton of fun to talk about. A lot of interesting Absolutely. things. 
Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. You can email us at uh, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, uh, or things like that. Um, if you want to find me after hours, I'm at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Just Me No Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I've been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. Bye. Bye.